0: This is the Navy Guy Podcast, Episode 2, for February 21st, 2013. Hello and welcome back, shipmates, to the Navy Guy Podcast. This is your host, the Navy Guy, Rusty. I solicited some questions from some of my other shipmates that I uh, drill with. As many of you know, I'm in the Navy Reserves and drill with about 60 or 70 other uh excellent sailors, so I I sent out the the question, what are some of the things that you wish you knew about the reserves before you joined, and what information would you have, uh, would have made you, actually would have made things easier, and one of my shipmates responded back with, uh, and this, this person is not new to the Navy or the reserves by any stretch of the imagination, but she said, and I'll keep her name private, but she asked, uh, or, or stated that she wished she knew that there were more opportunities in the reserves other than the one week in the month and two weeks during the year. And that's true. The, the Navy advertises one week in uh, the month and two weeks during the year, or, or the summer is what they say. But little does everyone else know until you actually get in the reserves that there's a, a whole other host of things that you can do and more opportunities. In addition to the one weekend a month and the two weeks of annual training in the summer you can do more than two weeks of annual training Uh, you can do it as as annual training you can do it as annual uh, active duty for training you can do uh, more of the the one weekend a month type things it's all about a funding issue and it's not really an issue like you like it's a problem but the Navy and the Navy Reserves allocates money to various things, and depending on which thing you sign up for depends on which pot of money uh, your your thing is funded for or from. Annual training, which is uh, statutory it's uh, you know it, it has to happen you have to um, I'm not going to say that you have to do annual training. You really should do annual training, otherwise there's some other issues that we get into. But annual training is is statutorily authorized by Congress. So the reserves, uh, that money is allocated from the federal budget to do annual training so that sailors and the reserves will support the active component. That's what it's designed to do. So let me explain annual training just for a minute. When you come into the reserves, as it is now, you come in and you're not really assigned to any particular job field. Now you may have a a rate where you are, let's say, a corpsman or a hull technician or a submarine sonar technician, if you will, or any other host of, of rates that are in the Navy. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you will be doing that job in the Navy Reserves. As a reservist, a particular rate doesn't necessarily have to work in their job field. They can work in other job fields. Back to my point, when you come in the reserves, you may come in as a particular rate. However, you don't have a particular job yet. Some people do, but the vast majority of the sellers that I run into come in as what we call in assigned processing or IAP. Now, when they get to their reserve center, they are assigned to typically an operational support unit, an OSU, and from there, they are managed and, uh, OSU acts as a bit of a a holding cell so to speak for lack of better terms but they come into the operational support unit and from there we manage the individuals uh, the members we help them find a home a job as, as a home if you will and from there they may they may drill at at one location And be assigned to another location in a fleet concentration area uh, like Norfolk, Virginia, or San Diego, or Bremerton, Washington, or something like that. And during those two weeks of annual training, that is where they would go to support the active component. They would not necessarily support the operational support unit at the reserve center that they work at and drill at every month. So, annual training. You come in, you do your one weekend in the month at the uh, the reserve center in which you know the closest one that you live at, and then for your two weeks of annual training, you coordinate with your uh, your parent command, the command that you belong to, and you go do the two weeks and support them. In addition to the annual training, which is you know, statutorily authorized, there is active duty for training or what we call ADT. And ADT money comes from a different a different account, so to speak. Now, you have to do at least 12 days of annual training per year to, to have a, a good year. And we'll talk about good years and points and stuff like that in, a, in another episode <clears throat> as it comes up. But you have to do at least a couple of weeks of annual training per year. Now ADT the active duty for training while it comes out of a different pot of money it can still count as your two weeks of annual training but ADT is primarily used for training but you don't necessarily have to do your training at your parent command. Now in a perfect utopian reserve Uh, type situation, you would do your annual training with your parent command for two weeks, and then if there's something additional that you need to do, like training for uh, your your job field or something like that, you can put in for ADT orders, and typically those are approved. In some cases, and I've I've been uh, privileged enough to do this, I forwent my annual training in support of my parent command and just did active duty for training the ADT and did job related training that's not the the best method you really should do your annual training first and then do ADT if time permits along with AT While not statutorily authorized, per se, to do more than 19 days of AT, uh, you can put in a waiver to do up to 29 days of annual training. Anything over 29 days, you have to do ADT or uh, active duty for special work, which is basically a, a mobilization type of thing. And like I said, it's it's all about funding, and where money comes from, which which pot of money the Navy wants to pay you from. So, there's AT, there's ADT, and on a smaller scale, um, every month when you do a drill at the reserve center, that Saturday and that Sunday, those drills. Come and are are covered under what we call IDT, and that's individual duty for training, or inactive duty for training. Excuse me. That comes out of a whole different pot of money. In addition to IDT, there's also IDTT, that's inactive duty for training with travel. So let's say that you live in middle America somewhere in the the Midwest and there is no fleet concentration area near you so you drill you know 100 200 miles from your parent command well the navy authorizes those particular commands and they give them a budget for IDTT funding to pay for their cross assigned personnel to come once a quarter or however often it's set up and drill with them instead of the member drilling at their typical training site or their typical reserve site. So inactive duty for training with travel is simply a drill weekend where you are paid to travel to your parent command for that drill weekend. So if drill weekend is on a Saturday and Sunday which most drill weekends are, you would get paid for travel on Friday to travel to your your other command, drill on Saturday and Sunday, and then you get paid to travel back. Now, you don't get paid to travel back on Monday. You get paid to travel back on Sunday evening. And they they really like for you to, and I say they, Big Navy really likes to fly you. I don't know why I don't particularly care for flying but they like to fly you. So the thought is you fly out Friday, you drill Saturday, Sunday and you fly back Sunday evening. It's a little bit of a pain for me but uh, it is what it is. So those are three of the I guess the the biggest things that uh, not really the biggest things but three of of kind of a funding issue and what you can do in the Navy Reserves as far as training and ways to make money. Now there are other ways to make money too there's voluntary mobilizations, there's involuntary mobilizations, there's active duty for special work which would be uh, things longer than 30 days but not necessarily uh, would not necessarily cross over the physical year boundary. So let's say it's July and you find an opportunity to do active duty or someone needs uh, your help for 60, 70, 80 days, you can put in for active duty for special work orders and you can go help that, uh, that command. But you typically don't cross over the fiscal year boundaries, so you would not go past September, you know, into October on those special types of orders. I don't see those happen very often. Most of the time, the vast majority of members in the reserves uh, do their one weekend a month, do a couple of weeks when it's uh, convenient for them to support the active duty component. And some may do an ADT here and there uh, to get extra training. In particular, mastered arms. They may go off to a mastered arms school for a couple of weeks to hone their uh, gun marksmanship skills and things of that. So that's about it uh, for this episode a little confusing. Uh, there's a lot of acronyms in the Navy Reserves, ADT, IDTT, ADT, ADSW, IAP, uh, CAI. Uh, a lot of different a lot of different acronyms and, and that's one of the biggest issues with, with new people coming in is really wrapping your mind around what all these different acronyms are and, and kind of going with it and making the reserves work for you. Weekend after weekend, I run into sailors who just drag around the reserve center and expect, expect us as uh, leadership to pick them up and push them in the right direction. That's all well and good, and I am all about helping out um, junior sailors, junior shipmates. Hence, that's the reason why I'm doing this podcast, but I have to let you know, if you're coming into the reserves if you're new you're just thinking about it uh... if you're not ready to take your career into your own hands and make things happen then uh, now may not be the time for you to come into the reserves if you've been watching the news money is short the uh... a certain battle group has just delayed uh... deployment because of money issues Uh, Now is just not the time to come in into the reserves and expect uh, people to hold your hand and walk you around. You need to come in on fire to get something done and to make this a a career more than just a humdrum job because it can be a lot of fun. I promise you that. Uh, We have a good time. We make uh, lifelong friends. But... If you're not ready to put in the work, it can, it can be uh, four years of, of uh, torture. Anyway, thanks for joining me again. Uh, this is the Navy Guy podcast. This was episode two. And if you have questions, find me on Facebook. I'm pretty easy, uh, Rusty Bryant. Or you can go to the thenavyguy.wordpress.com and leave comments there.